Welcome to Alec Across the States. I'm your host, Dan Reynolds. Today we're going to be discussing one of the flagship publications here at the American Legislative Exchange Council. Its name is Rich States, Poor States. Full name, Alec Laffer State Economic Competitive Index. Joining me to discuss this publication are the publication authors, Jonathan Williams, is our Executive Vice President for Policy, and also the ALEC Chief Economist. Jonathan, thank you so much for calling into the podcast today. Well, absolutely. It's always great to join you, Dan. And also joining us is the Senior Director of the Center for State Fiscal Reform at ALEC, Lee Schalk. Lee, thank you so much for calling in. Great to be here. So just to give a brief explainer, this podcast is going to be released on the same day that our newest edition of this publication will be released the 13th edition of Rich States, Poor States. Uh, But we've realized a lot of our podcast listeners maybe aren't familiar with the publication, or maybe they've never even really heard of it. Uh, So we really wanted to give a nice dive into what is Rich States, Poor States? What are some of the rankings in it? What does the newest 13th edition say? And then because of the times we're in today, how does Rich States, Poor States relate to COVID-19, especially when it comes to budget shortfalls. So to kick things off, Lee, what exactly is Rich States, Poor States? Who authors it and what is it supposed to do? This is our flagship publication here, Alec, like you said, Dan, and it's co-authored by Jonathan Williams, our chief economist and executive VP of policy, but also Dr. Art Laffer, a uh, former Reagan economist, as well as economist Stephen Moore, who is the chairman of the Freedom Works Task Force on Economic Revival. And so what we do with Rich States, Poor States each year is we look at 15 distinct state policy variables, and we measure how these states have performed in these areas uh, to create a ranking, one through 50. But also, we take a look at their economic outlook and how these policies Uh, they've been in place for a long time or if they've changed within the past year, how these policies position each state to give it an economic outlook moving forward. So the big thing that I really enjoy about rich states, poor states, it's how it's such a vast compendium. It's basically a history of economic performance where you can go back 13 years now with all the 13th editions. But what the rankings do, at least the economic outlook ranking, is it looks forward. Very interestingly, it always gives each state two rankings. There's economic outlook and economic performance. Economic outlook looks forward and economic performance looks back. Jonathan, can you talk to us a little bit more about you know, the importance of those rankings? Well, sure. And this is, a, I think, a really important uh, measure for state lawmakers when it comes to economic outlook ranking, because we chose these 15 equally weighted factors, which, by the way, have remained constant uh, since the start of this publication. So we have a reliable time series uh, where legislators and other concerned citizens can track their state's progress, or in some cases, lack of progress over now more than a decade based on things we know matter for economic growth. So when Art Laffer and Steve Moore and I got together in 2007, and decided, you know, what is it we're going to measure? A lot of these things Art Laffer had been measuring for decades, and there are things like tax rates and regulations and labor policy, things that we know matter for economic growth. But just as importantly, Dan, 
They are things that state lawmakers within each of their state capitals directly control because there's lots of different rankings and there's lots of different indices based on business competitiveness and other things and other ways to measure states, thousands of different ways. But uh, many of those fall short. And this is where I think rich states, poor states stands apart as being one of the most valuable ways to measure states' economic competitiveness through the outlook ranking is there things that state lawmakers can go in when they come back into session and say, we're falling behind our neighbors on X, Y, and Z categories. We're going to make these changes in order to make our state more competitive for job creation and growth. And then when you look on the other side of the equation on the uh, the performance ranking is really uh, instructive to see how the state has done when it comes to job creation and income growth, things that are kitchen table issues. But also one of the, I think, big phenomenons that we often talk about in rich states, poor states, as we've now gone across the country for probably 1,000 different events across all 50 states uh, talking about the results over the years has been just how much Americans vote with their feet, as we say, and move from one state to another. Every 10 years, Washington, D.C. pays attention because it's these states that rewrite congressional boundaries uh, through the reapportionment and redistricting process. And the states that are gaining businesses and individuals like Texas and Florida and Arizona and Tennessee are going to see this big inflow. And we measure this uh, every year in rich states, poor states. But then the states that have uh, gotten really uncompetitive and anti-business with their policies like California and New York, to name a couple, have seen a mass outmigration of individuals. And so this isn't just some academic theory that we've drawn up uh, with Art Laffer and Steve Moore. This is real world results that really do affect the future of our 50 states. So to tear back the inner workings a little bit of the first ranking, the economic outlook ranking that you guys are discussing um, that looks forward and is based on the 15 policy variables that, Jonathan, you uh, worked on with Steve Moore and Art Laffer back in 2007. Can you tell our listeners what are some of the most important policy variables in there? Obviously, all 15 are extremely important, but if we had to cover and go into depth on all 15, um, we might be here for a little while. So can you tell our listeners a few of those really important policy variables and then just explain to them why they matter in the context for state economic outlook? Sure. Well, I get this asked this question often, as you might imagine, out on the road. And, uh, you know, we were to start, let's say, doubly waiting or having some extra measure to talk about what's the most uh, impactful of the 15. I narrow it down to usually three or four, and that is tax rates on income. We know that all taxes absolutely matter for economic growth. When you take a, a dollar out of the productive private sector and put it into a much more inefficient government sector, you're going to have a loss in terms of a deadweight loss and and efficiency loss in terms of economics. But income taxes, dollar for dollar, affect uh, behavior, affect incentives, affect economic growth more than, let's say, sales taxes or property taxes, the other two major forms of taxes at the state and local level. And so not all taxes are created equally. And two of the 15 variables, one is the marginal personal income tax rate and one is the marginal business tax rate for a state. So those two, I think, are uber important when it comes to economic competitiveness because those prices really are prices that states are putting on savings and work and investing in their states versus, let's say, states in their region or states across the country. 
And then if you were to uh, go down our list a little bit uh, and look at a non-tax variable, I think that uh, you look at something like right to work, where Dan, you and I as Michigan natives uh, know how important that has been for our home state to really have that Michigan comeback story, a state that was down and out uh, through the autos leaving and really a single state recession for 10 years during the grand home years. And right to work uh, then was enacted by the Michigan legislature. And we've seen this domino effect throughout the entire Midwest of states realizing that while it doesn't cost a dime of lost revenue to enact a law like right to work to give employees the freedom in order to work, whether they're part of a union or not, uh, that's a huge factor for economic growth and competitiveness of a state. And then the final thing, if I were to choose maybe one more, and this one is a tax variable once again, but there has been a big movement in the states over the last 13 years that we put together the publication of states repealing their state-level death taxes. There's been a lot of discussion in Washington, D.C. about repealing the, the death tax, also known as the estate or an inheritance tax at the state level many times. But we've seen a movement of many states realizing that the state uh, probably loses more revenue than it gains through having something like that because it incentivizes many times business owners and wealthier individuals to go and not only take advantage of, let's say, the warmer winter weather down in places like Florida and Texas, uh, but also avoid things like the death tax or even personal income taxes in those two states. And Dan, I would just throw in here, you know, what's what's really great about rich states, poor states, and these factors that we look at, a lot of it, when you dig into it, it's really common sense. If you're yeah. new to this publication, you're let's say you're just an everyday taxpayer. You're not even, you're not a state legislator. Maybe you don't own your own business, but you look, you look through it. It makes a lot of sense. Top personal income tax rate. That has a huge effect on where you might decide to live. Or uh, as Jonathan mentioned earlier, you might migrate to a different state where the tax rates are, are much lower. Uh, and then as a business owner, you know, you look through here, corporate income tax rates uh, and right to work laws. Those are the types of things that are going to dictate where businesses want to set up shop or uh, if they're, they are uh, stuck in a state, whether or not they can experience success and growth. And so uh, whether you're just an individual, a, a business owner or a state legislator, there's plenty of information here and great content for you to make informed decisions. Uh, I think as people read through it, they'll, the light bulb will go off and it'll make a lot of sense. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. A lot of what you guys are talking about and what is within rich states, poor states is common sense. It just kind of makes sense that if you want a state to be more prosperous and we're defining prosperity as more people coming in and you know a better economic climate and having a better life, lower taxes and, and an environment that invites more people in and invites more businesses in, I mean, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, before we get into the new items and what is really special about this year's 13th edition of Rich States, Poor States, I do want to cover uh, the second ranking as well. Um, and that's the economic performance ranking. This is a backward looking measure and it essentially ranks the states individually based on their economic performances over the last 10 years. Jonathan and Lee, can you talk to our listeners about the three important variables that are in, uh, or rather, that make up the economic performance ranking, and just describe what those variables are? 
Our economic performance ranking, like you mentioned, it's a backward-looking measure, and it's based on a state's performance in three areas on three variables of state gross domestic product, absolute domestic migration, and non-farm payroll employment. And again, uh, we're looking back at the performance over the past 10 years. Uh, but Jonathan, you want to dive in a little bit on each of these terms uh, mean because you know I think for the average person this is a, it's a little bit more wonky uh, compared to just looking at personal income tax rates for example yeah and, and basically what we're looking at here is some commonly agreed upon quality of life measures to yeah. say you know is a state moving over a number of years instead of let's say our economic outlook ranking which is at a point in time which happens January 1st of a year we grab the data as to how the state ranks on those tax rates in that point in time, this gives us a continuum of results over the course of a decade where it kind of filters out some abnormalities that can happen. States have some very good years, states have some very bad years, but you get a trend line. And I think that's kind of the important piece from a data analysis perspective. It smooths out those anomalies that can happen, especially during a business cycle. I mean, there's certainly states that were hit much worse during the real estate and financial crisis of 2008, 2009. There's going to be states that are going to be hit much worse, of course, during the COVID downturn because of energy getting hit especially hard. You can imagine which states those are going to be, and you see that in the data. But now over the course of 13 years of putting together rich states, poor states, and having 10 years before that of the performance data, now we have more than 20 years of performance data that we can look at and actually analyze to see uh, what are these trends. But I do think like of those three that Lee pointed out, I think that it's so important to look at, if you're going to look at the measure of the success of a state, is your state competitive versus other states? Do people want to come into your state or are people leaving on net? Uh, you know, that's an important piece in terms of this net domestic migration. Uh, and what that is, it takes out the birth rates and death rates. It takes out the effects of foreign immigration and just concentrates on Americans when they're here. Where is it that they want to go? Where are the economic opportunities today? And so, you know, people will make a case often that New York or California, let's say, are still competitive states, they'll say, because you know, a lot of times Wall Street or Silicon Valley or other things that they have going for them. But I often come back and say, you know, the migration effect, people vote with their feet. It's what we call in economics a revealed preference. Yeah. And why in the world, if a state is a competitive state, are there hundreds of thousands, if not a million plus over the last decade of people on net looking to leave that state? To me, that is the ultimate measure of success. Are you attracting individuals and businesses or are you hemorrhaging individuals and businesses? Yeah. And then can you just talk to our listeners a little bit about what is going on with the 13th edition of Rich States, Poor States? I mean, we've, we've been seeing from Rich States, Poor States, and we've been seeing it again in this edition, that the states that spend less and the states that tax less, they're the ones that are experiencing higher economic growth rates, higher job creation rates, and um, what you were just discussing, a great domestic in-migration rate um, than their big government state neighbors or state counterparts that like to tax and spend more. So can you talk to our listeners a little bit about, you know, what's in the 13th edition, maybe some top and bottom discussions, because since it does lay out the economic outlook ranking and the economic performance ranking, those are two 50 state rankings that I think would be really interesting for our listeners to get a dive into. 
Yeah, maybe uh, Lee can jump in on the performance uh, ranking side here, but on the economic outlook side, which is, I think, probably the more impactful of the stories that will come out in this new 13th edition of the yeah. release, since it's just so timely to what's happening in state policy. Uh, once again, Utah is going to be number one in economic outlook, and this is actually an incredible, incredible policy story, Dan, in that they are now 13 years in a row at number one for economic outlook in rich states, poor states. So an incredible way that Utah has stayed at the top during lots of different pieces of this overall economic cycle that we've been in since we started rich states, poor states. But there's a couple of really, I think, key takeaways. Is that you say, I think a good summary of it is states that tax less and spend less and are more frugal and spend efficiently and wisely those taxpayer dollars are the states that set themselves up the best in terms of economic competitiveness and enhancing in-migration and in-business investment. And by the way, are going to be much better set up uh, having, uh, let's say, quality rainy day funds, not accruing huge pension liabilities for economic downturns, whether that's a COVID-related downturn or just a natural business cycle downturn. And one of the things that Utah has done so effectively now for years is they've transitioned their pension system, something that we talk a lot about at ALEC with these massive unfunded pension liabilities in the public sector government plans uh, being way out of control. In fact, leading, let's say, Illinois lawmakers to ask for a bailout from the federal government because they know that they yeah. cannot go back and actually fund many of the promises that they've made. Utah has actually transitioned to more of a 401k style defined contribution system that the private sector has gone to 10 or 20 years ago in many cases and has really set up the state for success in terms of not raising taxes and keeping government limited. And there's lots of other things that they've done, such as put some real limits on uh, the growth of property taxes, something that Alec has just adopted as new model policy called truth and taxation. So I encourage people to check that out if you're concerned about property taxes in your state. And then they've done what they can to reduce income taxes over time as they've had surplus revenue. I know Senate President Stuart Adams, a stalwart ALEC member on our board of directors, and, and Wayne Niederhauser, Senate President be, before him, and so many others have been so committed and laser-focused on making Utah stay at the top and be a competitive state. Because let's face it, Dan, when you're at the top, you know, everyone's looking at you and trying to catch you. And Utah has a tremendous story in how they've stayed at the top now for 13 years. And then you go through uh, the top five, the rest of the top five, Wyoming, uh, which is their best rank ever at number two this year. Uh, Idaho has been a competitive state for many years. Indiana is a state that has moved up tremendously in the course of rich states, poor states over the last 13 years. And North Carolina rounds out the top five, and that's another state, just like Indiana, that was middle of the pack 10 years ago and has really, through tax reform and other great free market reforms, moved the states tremendously in the right direction, now ending up in the top five in rich states, poor states. And then kind of on the other side of the spectrum, no surprise probably to those that are uh, familiar with state policymaking, but New York, 50th out of 50, uh, nearly for every year in rich states, poor states, economic outlook, uh, Vermont, New Jersey, Illinois, and California, the bottom five. Many of those states have been at the bottom five, and they follow exactly uh, what you talked about there, Dan, on the flip side, which is they've spent too much, they've taxed too much, they've become uncompetitive in their state economies, and they've seen a, a really a huge outmigration of businesses and individuals as a result. When it comes to economic performance, I think if you've had the policies in place for many years, 
that earn you a great outlook ranking in rich states, poor states, you've had the time as a state to let these policies take effect. And, and so you're having, in, in many cases, strong economic performance. So when we look back and we look at our economic performance for the most recent edition, obviously, like Jonathan mentioned, Utah, they've always been number one in outlook. Well, they're number three in economic performance. That's not a coincidence. They've had strong policies in place for many years. Other states that are in our top 10 on performance, Texas coming in at number one, Washington State at number Utah, like I mentioned, three, Colorado, four, North Dakota, five. So again, all of these states either have no personal income tax or a low personal income tax that's competitive in their region. Uh, and that is a huge indicator for us and something that we measure in performance. Uh, again, with, with the other 14 factors as well, but I always like to come back to the, uh, the state income tax. And then I think the opposite is, is in many cases true with the bottom states uh, in economic performance. We see Connecticut coming in last. We've got other states like New Jersey, Illinois, who are all in our bottom 10. And so you do see some similarities there, uh, but there's a lot to dig into. There's a story to be told for every single state uh, and their ranking. And so I encourage everyone that's listening to take some time and look through all the variables and everything that goes into this, as well as looking looking through some of the past editions and um, the really uh, unique stories that are told in those reports. And Dan, I mean, there's a, I think there's also an interesting story to be told in the connection between performance and outlook rankings and that nexus there. Uh, we actually had the former vice president at the San Francisco Federal Reserve Bank do an analysis of rich states, poor states several years ago and analyze where did the states go after they ranked well in, in outlook ranking? Did their performance actually follow suit and actually found their economic outlook ranking is a strong predictor of future economic competitiveness in states. And so this is, once again, not just theory, but we know in practice over time, uh, at least the vast majority of states that have competitive outlooks uh, can help turn those states around. Just look at Michigan, horrible economic performance for a decade now with right to work and tax reform and other things, Michigan has turned the corner. But I would want to say one other thing on this point, because let's say the critics of these type of indices will point out and try to use the anomalies to prove the counterfactual here and say that, you know, this ranking doesn't mean anything for economic growth. Uh, they'll point in many cases to a state like Oregon, uh, for instance, that is ranked uh, pretty poorly in economic outlook, but in terms of performance has done fairly well over time. And they'll say, well, this proves the point that your index doesn't uh, show uh, the, the movement here that you'd, you'd say it would. But I think there's some important explainers in cases like this is to uh, help tell the, the broader context of these stories. In the case of in Oregon, for instance, you know, Oregon, yes, is, is uncompetitive, but relative to California, one of the states that is the most uncompetitive in the country, Oregon is relatively affordable. And so you've seen almost all the in-migration that has come into Oregon has kept their economic performance rankings uh, solid in many cases come from California because California is that much higher tax and, and uh, less competitive, let's say, than Oregon. And so it's, it's really easy for people to try to 
say, hey, Oregon's doing well or Minnesota's doing well, so that proves the rankings don't work. Of course, there's always going to be anomalies when you look at statistics and these type of things. But I think the, the real overlying point here and the important point is we have seen over time the vast majority of states move in the direction that you expect them to. And that's been verified not just by us internally and by Art Laffer, but external people who have audited this study and given us peer review, such as the former vice president at the San Francisco Fed. Yeah. I do want to transition now into discussion of how rich states, poor states relates to COVID-19. Uh, and I do want our listeners to know that we're recording this on August 5th, 2020, just because we are facing breaking news every day. But one thing, just to kind of set the stage a little bit for our publication and for our discussion here of COVID-19, is that it seems to me that the policy decisions that we reward in this publication through both the economic outlook ranking and the economic performance ranking are the same policy decisions that are going to protect states from uncertainty generally, which are times like today. Uh, so Jonathan and Lee, if you can talk to our listeners a little bit about that and maybe the importance of sound fiscal management, I think it would be extremely important. Well, first of all, we're, we all know that states, uh, as they're grappling with the fallout from COVID-19, they're facing, uh, in many cases, some new, very enormous budget gaps and deficits. And some states are better prepared than others to deal with because they have put policies in place where, you know, they may not be entirely dependent on high tax revenues, uh, from things like uh, personal income taxes, corporate income taxes, or they have, you know, a smaller public sector workforce. They followed uh, the steps outlined in things like the Alex State Budget Reform Toolkit to make sure that they've built their rainy day fund uh, to prepare for emergencies. And so what we're seeing right now is many of the states that were not prepared are now coming to Congress and asking for money uh, to bail them out, to help them patch these budget gaps. Uh, and Alec actually has a letter that we we had 200 more than 200 state legislators who are ALEC members uh, sign our letter opposing uh, or pointing out the, the detrimental effects of a bailout of the states from Washington. And, you know, just to sum that up, I think one of the, the big points in that is that when Washington bails out the states, we're really rewarding poor state policy and poor fiscal decisions by leaders uh, at the state level. And so I think that when it comes to rich states, poor states, uh, there is definitely a connection between states that have uh, had good fiscal discipline and practices uh, during good times and states that are now better prepared during the bad times. And Dan, a quick, uh, you know, I think a tale of two states, if you will, uh, from a state like North Carolina that's ranked in our top five in economic outlook versus a state like Illinois that's ranked in our bottom five in economic outlook. Uh, North Carolina has been a huge tax cutting state, perhaps has been the gold standard in states of tax reform over the last decade. As I mentioned, has moved from middle of the pack to the top five now in rankings. And they're a state that uh, because of in-migration and in-business growth, uh, they're a state that's had a lot of extra revenue. I mean, they've seen the Laffer curve in action. They became more competitive their corporate income tax rate in North Carolina is only 2.5%. 
and they've attracted tons of new business, which has led to revenue, which then led to them fully stocking their rainy day fund and their unemployment insurance fund and having a surplus where they're facing this COVID environment much, much differently and in much more of a driver's seat scenario than a state like Illinois, that according to some estimates, because of their tax and spend ways, not to mention their huge unfunded pension liabilities, that state in Illinois has a, a rainy day fund that could uh, supposedly fund all of 15 minutes of state government operations. Oh, wow. So you, you need to look no further than those two states to see the diametrically opposed views of how states have handled their economic competitiveness and how that has led them into how they're going to manage this COVID uncertainty around budget shortfalls and, and really what's next for states to try to recover from this uncertain economic time. Well, that does bring us to the end of our segment today. Thank you very much for listening to our deep dive on the flagship publication here at the American Legislative Exchange Council, Rich States, Poor States, the Alec Laffer State Economic Competitive Index. Um, Joining me to discuss it are some of the authors and editors on the report. First, the Alec Chief Economist and Executive Vice President for Policy, Jonathan Williams. Thank you so much for calling in here and giving a deep dive into uh, rich states, poor states. Well, thanks, Dan. We look forward to to this 13th edition uh, launch and hope everybody really enjoys our new rankings. Of course. And to Senior Director of the Center for State Fiscal Reform, Lee Schock, thank you so much for joining us today and giving us all your insight. Thanks for having me, Dan. And we look forward to sharing rankings with state legislators and, and our other friends and allies throughout the country. Yes, and we will be sure to link to the publication in the show notes of this podcast. So feel free to go ahead and scroll down, check that out. Um, There will also be a blog post um, highlighting some of the top and bottom and biggest movers and biggest stories in rich states, poor states, most of what we've covered today on the podcast. Um, That will also be linked there in the show notes. Uh, And if you're interested in having your ideas featured on Alec Across the States, do not hesitate to email us at acrossthestates at alec.org. And please do rate us wherever you get your podcast. It helps us find some new listeners. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Across the States, the leading state-focused policy podcast presented by the American Legislative Exchange Council, the premier free market organization of and for legislators. To learn more about our work or to make a tax-deductible donation, visit alec.org. Tell us what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Alex States. The views and opinions expressed on Across the States are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the American Legislative Exchange Council.